State of the Church Sunday. State of the Church Sunday. Uh, if this is your first time here, you're newer here, it's a really cool Sunday for you to be here because uh, we kind of pop the hood and kind of see what we're all about. Uh, if you already go here, already call Mosaic Home, I know you're already out of your mind excited. So uh, I can tell you're oozing with it. So I want to start today with a quote, a quote uh, that has really, really impacted my life. Uh, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's a little convicting, but it's also, I think, uh, powerful in like a positive way too. Uh, it's by a guy named D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said this, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. So one of the most common fears that people have is failure, right? That's a pretty common one today. Uh, the fear of failure holds people back from attempting things that would really change their life. And maybe some of you have a fear of failure. Maybe the fear of failure has kept you paralyzed, has kept you stuck uh, where you are because you don't want to go out and try something because you're afraid of failure. But here, uh, D.L. Moody suggests uh, that we reorder our fears, that we reprioritize our fears. It's kind of a weird thing to think about, but instead of putting fear of failure at the top, he says, no, how about put fear of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter? Put that at the top and put fear of failure underneath that. To the point that you would rather fall on your face attempting something that matters rather than run across the finish line in first place of a race that you never should have ran. Success in the shallow, the unimportant, the irrelevant, the inconsequential should be more feared than failure. Now, you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy in the Bible who more embodies this idea than a guy named Abraham. Now, you probably have heard of Abraham, right? He's pretty famous, even if you're not really familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard of him. Uh, he gets labeled, he gets the nickname later on in the Bible, uh, the father of faith which as nicknames go, if you're going to get one from the Bible, that would be a pretty cool one to get, right? He's the father of faith. Abraham ends up uh, being the patriarch of the people of Israel who are God's chosen people. And Jesus ends up coming from Abraham's line. So Jesus can ch trace his ancestry back to Abraham. Abraham's kind of a big deal, right? He's, if, if you were making a list of like the top, like most impactful, biggest characters in the Bible, Abraham's on the list and probably towards the top. He's a really big deal. But he didn't start there. Abraham did not start off as the father of faith. Abraham actually started off as uh, a pretty regular guy, I would say fiercely regular. Uh, he didn't grow up in like a super Christian home. His, his parent, you know, his daddy wasn't some like super famous preacher, so he had like a, a religious silver spoon, so to speak. He didn't have any of that. He didn't come to faith until he was an adult. Uh, and he didn't grow up in you know, the city and the culture that he grew up in wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't have faith either. So, uh, how do you go from being a regular guy to being the father of faith? That's a really important question, right? Because again, he didn't, he didn't have a faith background. If you don't have a faith background, how do you go from that to the father of faith? Well, the answer is one step at a time, right? Abraham didn't just wake up one morning and go, I'm the father of faith. Now, I'm just going to live my life completely just the way God wants me to live. It was one step at a time. And it's the same, the, the same thing is, is going to be true of you, right? You won't become who God is calling you to become all at once. 
You're not going to wake up one morning and everything just kind of click for you spiritually. Right? You're just going to wake up and be like, oh man, this is it. I finally arrived. It's not going to happen, right? You will become the person God is calling you to become one step at a time. And you will be continually faced with like points of decision where you can either take a step of faith or not. You'll be faced with those moments where you can either take that step or choose not to. And Abraham faced one of those points at the very beginning of his journey towards being the father of faith. And Hebrews 11.8 tells us about this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. That's a crazy, I don't know if you have heard that about Abraham, but in the very beginning here, God tells him to go somewhere. He doesn't tell him where, and Abraham says, yes. And I think what makes this so amazing is that Abraham is new to the faith right here. He's not some grizzled veteran, you know. He's not some mature believer. He's a rookie. He's a rookie, and out the gate, God says this to him, and Abraham says, yes. Can you just imagine that conversation? Like, I mean, it'd be weird to be like talking to God, period, right? <laughs> that's just, that's just uh, going to be, be an interesting uh, interaction. But God's like, hey, Abraham, I want you to go. And Abraham would be like, where? And God goes, that way, <laughs> just general. Okay, but like, but where though, you know? Like just, just west, you know, just, just west. Okay, but like... What's out there? You know, what's out there? And God would be like, listen, Abraham, like your inheritance, the, the thing I called you to do, the thing I created you for, your purpose, almost like we'll even call it like your, your destiny out there. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, well, that sounds really cool. <laughs> but uh, like, how will I know? You know, when, I'm, when I, how will I know? And, and God basically just told Abraham, I'll tell you when you get there. I'll tell you when you get just go that way. Start walking, man. And, and in that moment, somehow, Abraham says, yes, I'll go. And he just starts walking in the direction that God told him to. God doesn't give him details. God doesn't even give him a destination. He only gives Abraham a direction, a nudge, a, a call, a pull. See, we don't like that. I don't know about you, but we don't like that, right? If God's going to tell us to do something, we want to know the destination. We want to know all the details. We want to know like what path he wants us to take, how many hazards there will be, how many potholes are going to be in the road, where the curves are. We want to know all the details before we sign on the dotted line. But here, Abraham gets none of that. God just says, go that way. And Abraham has that point of decision. He can either choose to say, yes, Lord, or he can choose to stay where he is. And, and just so you know, like he seems to come from a pretty like, well-off family. So if he stays home, he probably lives a pretty successful life. It's not like he, was, he was, had nothing else to do, so I might as well go do what God told me to do. He, he probably could have been a really successful person had he stayed. But God calls him to go. And he has to risk failing on an epic level. He could stay and be successful at something from an eternal perspective wouldn't matter that much. Or he could take a step and risk falling on his face, attempting to become the man that God is calling him 
to be? Do you realize that you are always just like one step away from being on the path that God, uh, the path to becoming the person that God created you to be? You're always just one step away from that. Just one yes, Lord, away from being on the path towards being the person that God created you to be. Just one decision. It's really important for you. Now, we're going to get back to you here in a minute, okay? We're going to get back to you here in a minute. Um, But let's talk about us for a second. This is also true for a church as well. We really want to say yes to God when we hit points of decision. We really want to, uh, like when God says go that direction, we really want to go in that direction. Uh, So our vision here as a church, uh, the thing we're, our horizon out here uh, is to be a church for people who don't think church is for them. That's the thing. That's, that's the, the, the call, the pull, the tug from God for us. Uh, a church for people like far from God. A church for people who like perceive church as a barrier to God rather than a conduit through which God, uh, they can like connect to God. You know, there's a lot of people like that who, who they, like see, they see church as the opposite of what it's supposed to be. Like that'll actually prevent me from getting to God rather than help me get closer to God. We want to be a church for those people. We want to be a church for people who think they'll burst into flames if they walk into a church. <laughs> you know, those, those people, that's who we want to be. Um, we want to be a church that really, really embraces uh, the command that Jesus gave the church 2,000 years ago to seek the lost and, and to make disciples of Jesus. We want to be a church that, that really like owns that and, and buys into that and is passionate about that. I really believe like deep down in my soul that we are not called to just be another church. On the list, we are called to be a church that takes a battering ram to the gates of hell, armed with water pistols, you know? Super soaker, maybe. Do you want a super soaker instead? And think about it, in a culture that's less and less Christian, in a culture that's less and less church, a church for people who don't think church is for them, becomes increasingly important, right? It's going to do nothing but get more important. There are people in this city, Wadsworth, in this area, that we, we are called to reach. Do you know that? That God specifically appointed us, called us, picked us to be the ones to reach them. God like looked down the bench of all the churches and said, Mosaic, them, you, go, get in the game and you're, you're after them. Specifically, us. I mean, the whole world needs Jesus. But God called us to this part of it. Right? The whole world is in a spiritual war, but God called us to fight on this front and to win this territory. This is us. This is our fight. Church for people who don't think church is for them. That's our horizon. There's a lot that goes into that. So, uh, how are we doing? Let's look backwards for a minute. 2018. How did 2018 go for Mosaic? Um, I don't know if you know this, but like, there are certain things that you can measure as a church and certain things that are kind of impossible to measure. The things that you can measure admittedly will seem like less important than the things you can't measure. Like I'd love it if we could like measure the amount of love we have as a church or if we could measure how good all the marriages are. We might be able to work that one out. Um, if, we, if we could measure those intangible things, that'd be really cool. So uh, admittedly, the things that I can measure, you're going to be like, that's not very spiritual. Um, but I think they're more spiritual than you're probably going to give them credit for. So the stuff churches can measure, uh, attendance, giving, amount of people serving, amount of people leading. Um, I usually take a bunch of time to go through all these, but let, can I just give them to you all at once? Here, here's how we're doing. Uh, 
I can go into details if you want, but just to put this in context, I tell you this every year, and it's still true. I look it up every year for the new stat because I don't want to give you old stats, but still true that 70% of the churches in this country are flatlined or declining. That's still true. Um, possibly more. Uh, but for, for, so for us, like, this, is a, this isn't just like, oh, that's nice. Like, this is a really big deal because only 30% of the churches in the country could say something like this, and, and that's really, really cool. Um, so I am just really, really excited about that. Like I said, I'm not just, I'm, uh, some years past, I'd really sit here and spend a bunch of time talking about this. Um, this is important, but I want to just give you a couple other details. So, so overall, stay of the church is good. It's good. It's good. Let me give you a couple details. A couple details. Um, some of you know our, our big outreach event every year is the Blue Tip uh, Parade and Festival, right? So uh, we're in the parade. We, are, we own this thing called Kids Land at the Blue Tip Festival here in town. It's usually on Wednesday right after the parade. And man, we just knock it out of the park every year. We really pour all of our volunteers, all of our time, blood, sweat, and tears into that big outreach. And uh, we've done really, really uh, good. I'm just going to be cocky and say we've done a really good job uh, in that outreach. And um, so I don't know if you guys know Amanda McFarland. She's our GKids director. She also helps with pretty much all of our outreach as a church. And she sits on the, the blue tip team that kind of helps organize and, and, and do all that. And we were having a conversation in 2018. And uh, she goes, well, you know, blue tip's awesome, but it's only once a year for us as a church. And she's like, it would be cool, you know, because, you know, you have this one big outreach event in June and then we go quiet for like 11 months. She's like, it'd be cool if we were involved in some other ones. So she kind of offhand mentions, hey, this downtown's got these First Friday things going on. Maybe we should like start praying about whether or not we should get involved in those. And I believe I said, okay. I didn't even say yes. I just said, okay. Um, you know the difference, right? Um, and I think I maybe prayed about it one time. And it wasn't even that heartfelt, just so you know. Uh, but I kid you not, within two weeks, I got an email from one of the people who runs First Friday asking us to be a part of it. Instead of us having to go to them, they came to us and said, hey, we heard about you guys in Blue Tip. We'd love if you guys come down and be a part of the September event. So side note, if you have a prayer request, give it to Amanda, because evidently, <laughs> evidently, she's got God's ear. Um, so we were involved in the September event, and they were so like, impressed with what we did in September. They asked us to be a part of every First Friday to the end of the year, uh, kind of like a short-term contract kind of a thing. Um, and, and what happened is every single one, so those four months, we were like on the front page or in the paper. or And it's always Lauren. I don't know if you guys know Lauren. She's like in every single one. Um, my favorite one was uh, Jonathan was um, Willy Wonka. But kind of a creepy Willy Wonka. Like a, a, it wasn't supposed to be, but it worked out. Uh, so we, we just got to be involved in these things, and it really just kind of, I, I, I honestly just feel like we, like, I feel like we fell butt backwards into it, if that makes sense. But I know that means that God, because I didn't do it, I didn't even want, I didn't, <laughs> Amanda wanted it more than I did. Um, but all of a sudden, here we are, and then so, so all this happens, and then they, we get like closer to the end of the year, and they want us to just be a part of every single First Friday for this year as well. So check this out. Here, this is how cool this is. Um, the little gazebo downtown, they call it Gazebo Island, they want us to like own that every single First Friday for this entire year. But think about how crazy that is. I just told you we're fighting the spiritual battle in Wandsworth. That is the dead center of town. Like dead center of town. And, and God said, here, 
set up camp every single month in this dead center of town where we're going to draw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and just be there and talk to them and invite them to church and just kind of be who you are every single month. Like how crazy of an opportunity is that, that God just, he just gave it to us. Um, so I'm excited about that for two reasons. Number one, we just, uh, one of our goals always is to like make our community better. I think sometimes churches have a reputation for uh, being more takers than givers, and we just want to be a part of stuff and make it better. So I think that's really cool to make our community better. And two, man, for real, we get to have conversations built in every month now with hundreds of people who don't think church is for them to, to, to find out, hey, these people, they're not like, well, I was going to say they're not weird. They're not that kind of weird. They're a different kind of weird. Maybe I'm I kind of weird. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're going to find out that we're not that normal, atypical, like, church person that they think about in their head, that they're going to realize that they were just normal humans and be able to interact with them and invite hundreds of people who don't think church of them every single month. I just think that is so cool. Um, I'm super thankful for Amanda and what God did there. So that's, like, the first detail, just a crazy thing that, that I just have to say God just did that last year. Uh, second detail I want to give you from 2018 has to do with what happens here on Sunday mornings. Um, almost two years ago, we hired Jonathan Sweeney to be our worship leader. He was behind the drum kit today, if you didn't know. Um, his wife was center stage. Uh, sings better than him. Um, he knows. He knows. So when we talked two years ago, one of the things I talked to him about that I was really passionate about was uh, for us on Sunday mornings to go from what's a worship, like a worship service to a worship experience. And you might be sitting here going, what the heck is that, man? <laughs> like, what, is, what is your church words? Um, so here's how I define church service. Church service is loose connection of songs with a sermon with some clunky, weird, awkward transitions between them. Um, we did that for years. Solid, normal way churches do stuff. Uh, but I had this dream uh, to facilitate an experience on Sunday morning. And I'm just going to use weird ethereal words for you to kind of describe what we're trying to do here while the fog surrounds me. Um, it's part of it. <laughs> what we want is for you to be able to come in here on Sunday morning and to be engaged, like here and here, and, and be able to, for just for an hour, uh, not be distracted. And when I say distraction, I don't mean like distractions out here. I mean distractions here. You know what I mean? I think these distractions are worse than anything that could happen in this room because you bring this stuff in with you, right? So, so our, our goal, our dream is for you to be able to walk in here and just for an hour be drawn into what's happening so that you don't get distracted by that stuff. That stuff can kind of take the back seat and you can, I hope, have the chance of like encountering God for an hour every single Sunday. That was the dream. And uh, we have, I'm not going to say we've arrived like we've got it perfect, but we have made so much progress towards that this year of this being not a worship service, but a worship experience where you come in and it's seamless and you get drawn in and you really be, are, are able to kind of put the stuff that you're dealing with during the week to the side and just engage in what God is doing in your heart and in your mind. Um, and I think um, one of the things me and Jonathan do for fun, we're weird, but one of the things we do for fun is we, we watch old videos of stuff that we did a year ago versus what we do now. And we just feel really good about ourselves. We make fun of ourselves and then we just feel better because of how much progress we have made towards that goal. And we're just going to continue to get better at that. And for me, again, that's one of those things that's just so important um, that somebody who, who maybe has faith in Jesus and somebody who maybe doesn't have faith in Jesus could come in 
and be able to have a, like, a, a moment, a, an experience where they feel like they were able to connect with God at whatever level they're on. And, and for people who, who are far from God, for people who don't think church is for them, especially important because whether they know it or not, they want to have an experience with God. That They can get preached at anywhere, that, but we really want to be able to have them come in and just be able to be here and not have all that stuff. So I really feel like this is another one of those things as we go towards that horizon for being a church for people who don't think churches for them for us to continue uh, to get better at that. So for me, that was one of the things we made huge progress in in 2018, and I was excited about that. Jonathan, you're doing a great job. I love you, man. Um, even though your wife does sing better than you. It's cool. Um, all right, so 2019. Let's, let's look forward now. 2019. Uh, southern part of Wadsworth, we're going to build a wall, and Ripman's going to pay for it. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> that's, I, see, the thing is, it doesn't matter who you voted for. That's funny, right? The only people it's not funny for are people from Mittman. Um, actually, it might, be, let me, it might be more funny for you. You get it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, nobody could pay for that. Um, all right, in all seriousness, uh, so our G Kids program here at Mosaic, I don't know if you know this, but it's, it's kind of huge for a church our size. I know a lot of churches that are similar size to ours. Ours is uh, our G Kids program. Our kids program is the biggest one that I know of for a church our size. We have like 60-ish kids every single week here at Mosaic. And every day, those pesky kids get older. Do you know that? Um, so they get every day closer to graduating from G Kids. And uh, in the next five to 10 years, we are going to have a huge amount of middle school and high school students. So our next step as a church for 2019 is we need to hire like a youth pastor, a student ministries director, whatever you want to call it, to really focus on that age group. We need somebody who can spend a lot of time building a program that will develop, lead, and grow like 50 plus kids because that is the wave that's coming very, very soon. And I feel like this is a really important step for us as a church. I want to be ready when that wave hits, not like have the wave hit and then try to scramble and get ready. That's why I want to do this now, um, because it um, doesn't matter who you are in this room, you know that the teenage years, that middle school to high school, some of the most difficult for kids. And really, it's, when it, it's like your faith is kind of like wet cement in that time. And a lot of times it goes from being wet cement to being hard cement in that amount of time, from middle school to the end of high school, like all kinds of good can happen and all kinds of bad can happen. And man, do I want somebody who will take that ministry seriously and help our kids be able to navigate that and honestly help me as a parent be able to navigate how we can get through those years with our kids having like a stronger, deeper faith on the other side. Um, so I really see Mosaic as being a church that's like for the next generation. And I mean like for like not against or not even just neutral you know, not like that, kids these days, I want to be that church. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be um, like a church that embraces and builds and empowers that next generation to be the church for people who don't think church is for them because they're going to need to be that more than even we are, right? So I really, really, really want to see that next generation get uh, built up and poured into. So we are on the hunt, just so you know, we're on the hunt right now. Uh, actually, pretty well into the hunt. And uh, I'm just asking for you to be praying for wisdom for me and the search team as we sift through the, like, 70 applications. 
and get rid of all the ones that don't make any sense and hopefully find the person that God really wants us to get there. So that's like the big thing this year is we're going to hire a youth pastor. I am really excited about that. Uh, Second thing is less tangible, okay? Uh, What I would like to see happen this year at this church is uh, I'll call it increased ownership. Increased ownership. And what I mean by that is you know that like church isn't something you go to, but something you're a part of, right? Like it's not something you go to, but something you're a part of. Like this room isn't mosaic. Uh, Little M, that's not mosaic. I am not mosaic. We are. We are. Collectively, we are mosaic. I don't want to be a, I don't want for you, for church to be something that you go to, but something that you are a part of. I want, like, when you say the sentence, Mosaic is my church, and I hope that you, like, even if you're newer, I hope you can get to the point where you say, you know what, Mosaic is my church. I hope you have some kind of, some level of ownership. But what I hope you mean when you say that is that it's not just something that you do for an hour on Sunday, but something that you are invested in and committed to. That's what I hope you mean by that. Not just, uh, yeah, that's like the place I go on Sundays occasionally, but that that is my church and I am invested and committed to what God is doing there. That's what I hope, at least for you to maybe someday mean. So uh, I came to this church 15 years ago-ish. I was a college kid, about 20-ish. I was a Christian, but I didn't do anything with it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I believed all the right stuff. I knew a lot of stuff because I'd gone to Christian elementary school. Uh, I was in a Christian college. Like, I I knew it. And, like, I avoided the big sins, too. I did. I was, was, by a lot of standards, like a good Christian in that. But, like, I wasn't, I wasn't like building God's kingdom. I wasn't pouring my life into something. I wasn't really invested in it. I believed it. I knew it. I avoided certain things, but I, like, I was really good at the don'ts, but maybe not so good at the do's, if that makes sense. Um, and we used to meet in this little building over by the hospital, and these were our pews. This specific one was in there. I worked hard to get this. You should be impressed. Because we ripped them out. And uh, only a couple people took them because I, who's gonna, who can fit a 12-foot pew in their house? Like, not very many people, right? So I had to find the one person who could, and she still had it. And I'm super grateful that she let me borrow it for this morning. Um, and used to sit in these things. See, I just came. I wasn't the pastor. I just showed up, like you. And I still remember sitting... Uh, in a pew just like this. It could be this one. This could be where it happened, okay? It's, there's like a one in 18 chance that this is the exact spot I was sitting in. Uh, but I remember this, this one Sunday where the pastor's preaching, and I don't remember what he's preaching on. I know you guys don't know what that's like, but uh, <laughs> God was doing something in my heart, and uh, I just felt... like an overwhelming sense of dissatisfaction. And I don't mean dissatisfaction like I want a nicer car or a better job. I don't mean that kind of dissatisfaction. 
I mean like a spiritual dissatisfaction, like a holy discontent. And it, it f- I, I want to use language like it fell on me, like it was heavy, like I couldn't even straighten up. Like I just felt this overwhelming sense that I needed to do something eternal with my life. That, that just knowing, just believing, just doing, like not doing these certain things wasn't really what my faith was supposed to be about. That God wanted me to like do something with it and to be active in it and to build his kingdom in some way. I just had this, this sense and it weighed heavy on me. I remember just sitting here and there was like this little vent over here. I can still remember staring at the vent like the entire service just like enduring this weight from God. Um, that I was supposed to do something eternal. And uh, service ended, and my best friend was sitting in there. You know, the, the introverts sit on the outside. Did you know that we do this? Because that means nobody's going to sit right here. We're, we're good. We can escape. Um, you extroverts can cuddle in the middle. We'll, we'll be over here. And uh, I remember him getting up. You know, we were over. He's, hey, we're paying attention today. How are you falling asleep over there? I, just, I was like, I had a spiritual experience, but it was still mean. It was weird. I don't know how, how do you do that. Like, I feel like God just spoke to me, but I kind of want to, like, punch you. Uh, I just, <laughs> what did you do today? God just, like, moved in my heart, man. Um, so that, that, like, week, I made an appointment with the pastor, and, and I told him, hey, uh, I want to get in the game. I'm t- I don't want to sit on the bench anymore. And I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what. I just know that I'm supposed to go west. That's all I know. And from there, from that one, like, that, that was like a point of decision. I feel like I could have got up and, and just done whatever I wanted, but I had this, this decision. You can either start going in that direction or you can continue on the path that you're on. And I said yes. I said yes, not really knowing where it was going to go. And to be honest with you, so, so like God gave me a direction. He didn't give me a destination. He didn't give me the details. He just gave me a direction. Hey, hey do something. That's all. That's generally the, the sense that I got. Do something. And uh, I'm glad he didn't give me details, just to be honest. And I know most of the time, I'm like, I really want the details. But like, if I had been sitting here 15 years ago and God like pulled reality back and showed me this, I'd have freaked out, man. There's no way. Like, I was more of an introvert than I am now, and I was terrified of public speaking. Like, if God would have said, hey, you're going to be the preacher here someday, <laughs> I'd have been like, no, no, <laughs> you must be like that person over there. It's not me. You've got the wrong coordinates here. Um, he just gave me a direction. He said, get in the game. How will I know when I get there? I'll tell you. I'll tell you when you get there. It's cool. So I just said yes. And I am so thankful that I did. I don't know what my life would look like if I had said no. I don't know. I don't know. I was, my major at the time was uh, environmental science. What do you even do with that besides have debt? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm so thankful for what God has done in this ministry. I'm so thankful for what I've been able to be a part of. It's been crazy. All the stuff I've gotten to experience that I wouldn't have been able to experience had I said no that day. And um. I don't know. Here you sit. Same thing, right? It's even red. Look, it's kind of a little bit darker red, but still, you're sitting here. Normal person. What's God saying to you? What direction? What's the direction? What's your next step? See, Abraham, he obeyed when God called him to leave. 
without knowing where he was going. But, and we hold that up as like this crazy experience. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Abraham did that. But isn't this the way God does it with all of us? Isn't that essentially what he's doing with you right now? Nudging you in a direction without fully telling you where you're going. Isn't it pretty, a pretty common Christian experience, the, the thing that you might be experiencing right now? Here's what comes afterwards. Verse 9. Even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, those are his son and his grandson, who inherited the same promise. They didn't inherit the inheritance, they inherited the promise of the inheritance. You follow? Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So what happens is Abraham says yes, when he could have said no. God gives him the option. Go that direction. He says yes. And then what starts to happen is Abraham starts to develop like the second sight. He can see the physical, but he starts to see like the eternal, the spiritual as well. He's, he's looking forward to these, this city with eternal foundations that he never sees in his lifetime, but he starts to see on two levels and he starts to say yes to God more and more and more. He starts to develop this second sight so that when he says, hey dad, I'm leaving, I'm going west. And his dad says, where are you going? He says, I don't know, God hasn't told me yet, but I'm going. And his dad's like, you're an idiot. What are you doing with your life? Abraham says, man, I, I don't know, but I, I see something eternal that I'm supposed to be drawn towards, and I just want to follow that. And, and then as he goes in his life, he just develops an even stronger sense that God's doing something in his life eternally and spiritually rather than just physically. But he had to say yes first. He could have lived a completely normal and successful life had he stayed home, and you wouldn't know his name. You wouldn't. He'd just be another ancient Near Eastern rich guy who owned a lot of goats. <laughs> cool. Good job, Abraham. Instead, he said yes, and God did amazing things through them, and he is the father of faith. Top five. But it all started with one step. Just one. So my question to you is, what is your next step? What is your next step? What is God calling you to, spiritually, on, on an eternal level? Can I suggest some? So what if, like, I think your purpose in life is, is big. It's going to be all-encompassing. But I do think that part of your purpose is going to be worked out inside the local church. That's kind of the, the conduit through which God decided he wanted to work in the world. So yes, your purpose is going to be huge. It's going to have to do with your family, your work, your friends. But it's also, at least a piece of it's going to be right here. With, with us. Your purpose is going to be somehow tied to our purpose. Does that make sense? Like there's going to be at least a piece of it that fits in here somehow and God created you to fit into here if this is your church to, to be a part of it and actually like we'll miss it if you're not here. So can I suggest some next steps? We'll start with the easy ones and we'll go to the hard ones. Cool? Maybe your next step is just showing up on Sunday mornings more often to gather for a worship experience more regularly. There are 52 Sundays out of the year. I am not saying please show up to all 52. I will not be here for all 52. Good luck with that if you want to. But I do think being a part of this on a regular basis might be the thing that God's nudging you towards. Might be. Meaning that you choose to come worship God, come be a part of this over something else. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
you'd have to say no to something else to say yes to this. Maybe that's your next step. And I'm putting that as the easiest thing on the list. I don't think that's hard to say, hey, like, drive to Wadsworth High School every week. Difficulty level 0.5, okay? Second thing, what? What is your problem? Get out of my face. I'm going I'm to be meaner. Okay, um, I could have been way meaner with that. I had a whole sermon written on just that one. And it's pastor, gosh, just wants to come to church more. Yes, gosh, guilty. Second thing, I'm just going to continue the sarcasm. Get baptized. Maybe your next step, maybe the thing God's nudging you towards is getting baptized. This is next easiest on the list. You know why it's next easiest on the list? Because baptism is you go under the water and you come back up. That's pretty easy, right? I told you I'd be more sarcastic. Of all the things that Jesus told us to do, of all that, you know, love your neighbor, be sacrificial, uh, share your faith, Go underwater and come back up. Like, come on, guys. Like, that's not a hard one. Now, even though it's easy, it's super significant and, and, and has deep spiritual meaning behind it. And you go under the water and come back up just like Jesus died and rose again. It's, it's a public profession of an inward faith. So if you haven't done that yet, man, I guarantee the moment you decide to do it, you will not forget that day. It is a really powerful day when you uh, make that public profession and go under the water and come back up. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized before, man, I bet you anything, God's nudging you to say, your next step is to get baptized. And we got a baptism service coming up uh, March 27th, so what are the odds? You should do that. Maybe your next step is to get in community here, to not just show up, but to get, like, to invest relationally, to get to know more than just a few people's names, you know what I mean? So, so maybe, maybe God wants you to be a part of it relationally. So get on our website, sign up for Thrive Groups. We're only one week in. I think one Thrive Group even canceled last week. You could totally still sign up and get into community. Or maybe you need to get on there and sign up for discipleship. We are actively working right now to revamp it, but you can still sign up right now to, to maybe... Um, Commit to meeting with one other person just to, for spiritual guidance and accountability. Maybe that's the thing that God's saying, hey, don't just show up, but like get invested relationally here. Maybe your next step is serving somewhere in the church. God created you and gifted you in some way to make this church better. And there are tons of places we could use you. G Kids is looking to expand their teams. My two-year-old needs someone to watch him for an hour, okay? And teach him things and tell him no constantly. You can take a turn, Okay. Setup team, tech team, man, they need hands. If you're good with computers, if you get that whole soundboard back there, we need you. If you are a secret drummer and electric guitar player or singer, first of all, how dare you for keeping that a secret? Secondly, man, get off the bench. Let Jonathan know. Uh, we need houses, host houses for Thrive Groups. Open up your home, allow people to meet there. We need people in first impressions. If you're a morning person, you can say hello and shake hands and just make somebody feel welcome. Get involved. Get involved. Remember when you were in high school and college and you had a group project and that one guy put his name on it but he didn't do anything? Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you shouldn't. That wasn't written down. That was just part of it. Maybe your next step is, is partnership. Um, so if you don't know what partnership is for us, partnership is our version of membership. Uh, we didn't like the, the word member because it sounded too much like the YMCA where you pay money and you receive services. We thought that's not really what a church is supposed to be. So here we partner with each other to fulfill a mission together. We link arms and we take whatever hill God points us towards. You know what I mean? So it's partnership. So maybe it's time for that. For you to sign up and say, you know what? Mosaic is my tribe, my people, my home. I'm going to make that statement. I'm going to make it official and say, this is it. 
Stop standing with one foot in, one foot out. Make the commitment. Maybe your next step is to support Mosaic financially. We almost never talk about money here. Do you know that? Some of you are like, that's why we go here. (laughs) And uh, the biggest reason we do that is because people who don't think church is for them, one of the things that turns them off the most about churches is that they feel like they're all about money. So we just swing the opposite way. We don't take an offering. We don't do any of that stuff. Unfortunately, even though we don't talk about it, we still do need it to operate. It's a strange thing. Money is a necessary evil. Um, We don't want to give the impression that we're all about money. We don't emphasize it. But meeting here costs money. Office space costs money. The youth pastor is going to cost money a little bit. We can pay him mostly in Doritos and Mountain Dew, but we will actually have to pay him something. Um, But I want you to think about it like giving. My mentality when I give is not that I'm like giving to a church or weirdly giving to my own salary, which is a weird thing to think about. Um, But that I'm giving for the battering ram that we're going to pound into the gates of hell. You know what I'm saying? Like I always think about it in spiritual terms. Like, man, I want to fund this mission, this cause. I want to fund this church for people who don't think church of them. That's always my heart. Like I don't think about it in in this physical. I try to do the thing that Abraham does here. Like I'm building something with eternal foundations and I want to think about it that way. That's the thing I want to give towards. That's my motivation there. Um, I want to put a dent in the gates of hell. So maybe that's your next step. If you've never given or you give sporadically, maybe your next step is to make the commitment to give consistently. Whatever that is. However little, honestly, I feel like consistent is better than sporadic, even if it's less, in my opinion. So I don't know what your next step is. I don't know what you're feeling, if if you feel even remotely close to the same way I did here. I mean, admittedly, mine was a call that ended up in vocational ministry, and I don't think y'all are going to end up there. Most of you won't. I pray that you don't, honestly. It's a heavy burden sometimes. But I know that God's called you to something. I know he has. So I just want to know what the next step is. Not all the steps, not the whole thing, not the destination, not the details, just what's the next thing, God? What's the next thing that you want for me? Because your greatest fear should not be failure, but a succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. And I guarantee you, anything that you would do here, no matter how small no matter how menial, it has eternal ramifications here. So, uh, worship team is going to come out here. I want you all to get out this little card. Do you have this? You should get a program every week, guys. It's the same every week, but still. If you have one of these... It's just got, I, I wanted to be really specific this week and say, hey, there's four things, four things that you could just right now say, this is what God's nudging me towards. This is my next step. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe, maybe that's the thing. Mark that, put your name and email. Maybe it's partnership. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's giving. Fill this thing out. This is your action step today to say, yes, God. West, I'm going to go west. Okay, I'll do it. Fill this out, drop it in uh, one of the boxes back there and start that thing. S- start that journey towards becoming the person that God's created you to be.